When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison. And last week, I flew to Dallas and was incredibly honored to interview the CEO, Nicola Longford, and Chief Philanthropy Officer Kim Bryan on location at the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza. I was able to walk through the museum while I was there and see the new fragments exhibit as well for the first time and just really had a very insightful experience there. Jeff and I even drove the route of the motorcade and it was just quite the day for me. I'd visited the museum before, but it was just as intriguing the second time. I think because I've seen the photos and studied this day and the impact it had on our country for so long. The museum is so impactful and surreal to visit, and it's beautifully put together, sharing the life and legacy of President Kennedy, along with the history of that tragic November day in 1963. This episode is being released on the 58th anniversary of President Kennedy's assassination. And national tragedies impact the heart of our country so deeply and live in us forever. The Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza does such a wonderful job at telling the story with the utmost respect, care, and dedication. Truly, it's a must-visit for everyone. I hope you enjoy our conversation about the history of the museum and all that they do. Side note, we filmed the interview as well, so if you'd like to watch instead of listen to audio only, then click the YouTube direct link in the description of this episode. Without further ado, here's the conversation. Here I am joined on location at the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza by the CEO, Nicola Longford, and the Chief Philanthropy Officer, Kim Bryan. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. I am so excited to chat with you guys. I really am. So to get started, can you guys just tell us a little bit about the history of the museum and how it came to be established? Well, the Sixth Form Museum opened in 1989 as a temporary exhibit, John F. Kennedy in the Memory of a Nation, on the sixth floor of the former Texas School Book Depository building, and we're on the first floor. Dallas County saved this building in the 1970s and turned it into their administrative offices, and the sixth floor was vacant. And uh, after a decades-long battle with community leaders, it was um, deemed essential to create a space for people who are coming to Dealey Plaza to understand what happened here in 1963, November 20, the weekend of November 22nd, 1963. So in 1989, on President's Day, the Sixth Floor Exhibit opened, and uh, to much success, and here we are 33 years later. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the commemoration of the 50th anniversary in 2013. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that? The events leading up to the 50th anniversary commemoration in 2013 was a very big deal for Dallas. And for about a year before November 2013, there were many conversations across town as to how we were going to commemorate such a significant anniversary. And Dallas had never really recognized officially uh, the death of President Kennedy. Uh, so we closed off Dealey Plaza on November 22nd for a, com a special commemoration and we realized that the world spotlight was going to be on Dallas. And in the months leading up to the anniversary, there are many wonderful uh, community collaborations and conversations where we discuss the impact of the death of President Kennedy here, what happened, who was involved, um, why it's so painful. And um, there are documentaries and various film projects and multiple programs throughout the North Texas and, in fact, around the country 
to honor President Kennedy, but we were very fortunate to have several uh, uh, networks film live interviewing some of the people who were breaking the news, who did break the news at the time, who were eyewitnesses in Dealey Plaza. So really it was a race to capture all these poignant voices before um, people passed away. And unfortunately, we are losing many people who were eyewitnesses or key features of um, breaking the news at the time. That's very interesting. Is there a place for people to go watch that, those interviews or anything? Well, we have a huge collection here at the Sixth Form Museum. We have over 95,000 artifacts and we're in the reading room right now so you can see a lot of our reference books that we're, which we're still collecting. But one of our most important parts of our collection is the oral history project. And we have over 2,000 original voices, people who have been willing to share their voices, their memories, their perspectives, many multiple perspectives that add this very rich... Um, dimension to understanding what happened here. It's just not through the lens of the official presidential historians or through the news. It's through bystanders and people who really didn't think their stories had any merit. So that's part of the history that we um, help provide access through eMuseum, which is part of our website where you can find out the wonderful things we have in our collections and um, also through our programming and our exhibitions. Yeah, and I'll just add, if, if I may, one more comment about the 50th anniversary. Um, the 50th anniversary, as Nicholas said, was in 2013. That was before I joined the museum. So I observed that commemoration as a citizen of Dallas, just as somebody who was unaffiliated with the museum. And I think what Nicholas said is right. There was a lot of... Um, a lot of discomfort with the idea and what the city was going to do and how we were going to acknowledge this really uncomfortable moment in, in the city's history. But it really was a time where people came together to, um, to, to acknowledge the history and, and to commemorate the event, but in a very um, reverential way, if I can say it that way. So it was really a time when I think the city really did come together to acknowledge what had happened here. Dallas has always had an uncomfortable relationship, obviously, with the event itself. And so it was a, it was a real, I think it was a moment where the community really had a bit of a change in the way that they consider that part of, of, of the history. I think... Um it was a healing moment yeah. for so many different parts of the community and also for the Sixth Form Museum. Um, this is considered sacred space. This is a place where people come from all around the world to understand what happened, to find their peace in this history, what it matters now even. And D Dallas really struggled with figuring out the appropriate way to commemorate on a large scale and it was um, a way where the community bonds were formed where they had not really existed before. Mm -hmm. um, but we walk a very fine line in telling the story because so many people have such strong um, feelings about what happened here. So I had mentioned to you guys before, and my audience knows as well, that I have been here before and I've spoken about it on my podcast. I really just found it to be a really impactful experience for me personally after studying this for so long. And, and you guys just have such an amazing collection. But I wanted you guys to share some of the highlights from the museum's collection, if you don't mind. Well, some of the most significant things in our collection are our home movies. So we're very fortunate to have the rights to the Sapruda film and many others. We relied very much on the generosity of bystanders to give us, donate their cameras um, that filmed some of the events out in Dealey Plaza and their personal effects and memorabilia. So we have a very strong collection, but I think our film collection and our oral history project is uh, some of the, the best parts of, of, of our holdings. 
Also, the news media collection, we're very fortunate to have worked with many of the news stations that gave us their um, film footage. I'll add just a little bit onto that if, as well, if I can. I think one of the things that's most compelling for me in our collection, or sort of a, a classification of objects, are the really personal bits of ephemera. This was such a defining moment for so many people. So we have um, a permission slip from somebody who was in middle school, or in high school, who was given permission to skip school from the day to come down and see the president. And, you know, that was a moment that was, you know, he obviously thought he was going to come down and see the motorcade and then had a quite a bit of a different experience in the moment. And it was a, it was very much a, a, an important moment for him in his life. And so he kept that document, this little tiny slip of paper for years and years and years, and then donated it to the museum. Um, as Nicholas said, so many of the pieces that are in our collection came from the generosity of, of people who played some part in the story, whether that's they were secret service agents or White House officials or just, you know, people who were here that day, the many of whom were young, the doctors at Parkland, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that helps really make, make it makes it easier for us to tell the story in a really compelling way because everybody has a permission slip. Everybody remembers taking something home and getting their mom or dad to sign it. And this is, you know, it, it, it's, such a, it's such a normal part of your childhood experience. And yet in this circumstance, it just became such a, a, a dramatically different moment. Um, and I think those little, those very personal effects are the things that really help people who may not have a personal connection to the story, who may not know anything about it even, kind of kind of it gives them a, it gives them a toehold it gives them a way into the story to really understand what it was like and why it was you know this this generation defining moment in that same vein tell me a little bit about fragments your new museum installment so this building is 120 years old. So it it was a very nondescript um, warehouse. It was built as a as a warehouse for plows and tractors. It became a warehouse for grocery supplies, and then eventually it became the Texas School Book Depository. Obviously, it became incredibly famous on the day of the assassination. But then it went on, and and, and Nicola alluded to this a little bit earlier. But the 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 decision about what to do with the building was something that really the community struggled with for quite a long time. So we did this installation to really explore the fact that there's 120 years of history that has happened here. Obviously, November 22nd is, is the most important day, but there were many decades before and there have been many decades since. So we really wanted to bring out some of the architectural elements that, that represent different moments in the history of the building and share them with people so that they could begin to get a sense of what it was like in 1901, in 1915, in 1963, in the 1970s, in the 1980s, and so on and so forth. So we have a lot of objects that are very, um, you know, that are just sort of, uh, you know, we have light fixtures and that are lovely. They're, they're beautifully designed. You know, we have some mid-century decorative elements, um, breeze blocks that um, were, were quite common that are seen in several of the really famous photographs from the, from, from the assassination period. And we just wanted to present them in a way that would be a little bit more um, a little bit different, give people a chance to see them in, an, in a new context. Um, the Hertz sign, which is on top of the building, we have elements from, from that sign, which was a really iconic landmark in Dallas for a long time. If you lived in Dallas in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you knew it. It was quite well recognized, and it's been in storage uh, for, for many years. We were able to bring out part of it, not all of it. It's a little too large to install it all, but we were able to bring out some of that 
just to give people a sense um, of what some of the really important um, items that we have in our collection that we can't have on view all the time. And if I could interject, um, these artifacts were saved by Dallas County and had been put on the seventh floor. And when the sixth floor needed more space and we decided to expand to the seventh floor, those artifacts had been eventually put into off-site storage, but we wanted to bring them out partly because we wanted to put a spotlight on the architectural merit of this building, its history, and um, identifiable fragments that were connected to the building story over time to place emphasis also on preservation and hoping that we can incorporate some of these um, additional materials in um, updated exhibitry and um, programming. You know, something I noticed when I was driving in, I have been to Dallas, like I said, once before, but I did notice that it's so modernized compared to what I've obviously studied because I study things around November 22nd, 1963. So even the shows that I watch, whether, anything like that or the documentaries, our history, so it's like all looks so 1963. So this is like a, such a slice of history in this building, and I love that you guys have have that to, yeah. to bring it out because it's so modernized for sure. Dealey Plaza became part of a National Historic Landmark in 1993, so and we opened in 1989. So you can imagine it was many decades before Dallas could sort of reconcile why this whole space needed to be preserved. And this building is obviously one of the most iconic iconic structures in Dealey Plaza, but the buildings right um, in front of you are the Criminal Courts Building and uh, the Records Building, which is owned also by um, Dallas County. They are going to be moving into um, those renovated buildings for the administrative function. So we have the opportunity here to expand some of our um, spaces. And this is one of the reasons why we wanted to draw uh, attention to the, the building fragments and the purpose of that installation. Um, but Dealey Plaza hasn't changed much since 1963, so when people come here, they really can identify with it. You were mentioning earlier that you thought it was seemed really, really large, but when you get here, it's very small and intimate mm -hmm. and easy to walk around. So um, this is an ideal spot just to look out the window and, and, and watch the people um, making their own meaning out of what they want to find out of the history. I know, it's, and it's just so well-preserved, like you said, that it, it's like you're stepping back in time, but then you drive down the street and you're back in 2021. Right, so right. it's, very, it's just very right. interesting. I, I just really encourage my audience to come here for that as well, to be able to see that. Um, so I'm sure there's many, but is there a specific artifact or even a speaker that seeing or hearing from in person had a really profound impact on each of you? There are very many people that have had profound impacts on me. It's never been a dull job. We've met so many wonderful people. But I think Clint Hill, who is the Secret Service agent assigned to Mrs. Kennedy's detail, security detail, having met him for the first time and how difficult it was for him to be in this building, to wander around Dealey Plaza. And over the years that we've got to know him, I think he realized that he did what he could. He couldn't have saved the president. And I think... Um, He's written several books and he's been here many times to speak. But I think seeing the transformation from him after many years being guilt-ridden and racked with um, not being able to have saved the president's life, I think um, now he's come to terms with it. But it's, it's taken many years, that sort of transformation, and he'll never get over it. And so many people have been deeply uh, affected by what they saw or what they experienced. Um, it's never left them. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think one of the things that I find most compelling is the way that um, 
this tragic event, this tragedy in the moment really did bring out a lot of heroism. So there's people like Clint Hill who, you know, quite famously is the one who jumped onto the, to the back of the car. Uh, but the doctors in Parkland are, are people who, again, were just going to work. And yes, they're doctors. They, that's what they do. They, they save lives every day. They have patients die every day. But I think um, there's a Dr. Ronald Jones who's, who's uh, been a, a good friend of the museum and donated several objects to our collection, including one of his lab coats that he uh, uh, had at that time and, and, and notes that he wrote and, and that kind of thing. You know, he, it is for him also, you know, a day out of time. It, it was this moment where he, you know, he said, I, I, he, we had an event a, a couple of years ago. And we had his coat set out and he thought, you know, the last time I wore this, it was, you know, it was this moment. And, and I think also for him and, and for his colleagues, it was a, a um, I think they lived with a lot of, of regret, but also, you know, I think they performed incredibly admirably under these incredibly difficult circumstances and, and um, really feel strongly about preserving that story and, and, and making sure that it is still, um, you know, understood what happened. And I, I, it's those moments of, of, you know, people really performing heroically and bravely under unimaginable stress and fear that, that I find really, um, really compelling. I mean, we've been very fortunate to meet so many incredible people who didn't think their voices counted. Mm -hmm. And um, especially those who are bystanders. I mean, looking out here, it's so close. Um, Pierce Allman, who is a man who... Um, narrated our original audio tour and our second audio tour. He um, was a bystander out in Dealey Plaza, just outside these doors. But he, he ran right in, his instincts kicked in, he ran in right through the front door here and um, asked where the nearest telephone was. And he brushed up against somebody who said it's back there. And he didn't realize until later it was Lee Harvey Oswald walking right out the door. That just gave me chills. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So those sorts of stories, and we hear them, and they're still stories which haven't been shared. So what makes this job so interesting is seeing and meeting and learning new story, receiving new artifacts after all these years. It's interesting you mentioned Clint Hill because I, I love his book so much, and I actually just finished one of them on the plane here for the second time. It was Which the one? second time I had read it. It was uh, five days in November. Yes. Yes, I, so I love his book so much. He's and Mrs. So, Kennedy and me too. He that's my favorite one. I mean, they're, it's just so good. They're all great. So what are some of the current initiatives of the museum? Well, um, I'll just mention a, a bit of a shameless plug. We've actually just started our very first ever museum membership program. So we've never had members, and we're really thrilled to uh, to invite people to join us as members. And we're planning a really exciting series of programs and special events for people who, you know, want to get a little bit more involved and want to learn a little bit more about the story and, and meet some of the special guests that, you know, we're hoping to have uh, visit the museum over the next couple of years. Um, Nicola also mentioned the fact that, you know, we're planning to really grow um, – um, our, our impact and our footprint uh, in, in this building, um, which is an exciting thing. We also have a really robust education program. Um, our fabulous director of education, our colleague Genevieve Kaplan, is uh, has some really, really creative ideas about how we make history relevant and how do we make these connections between the past and the present for students who maybe aren't getting as much history, social studies education as you know they they used to in generations past, and how do we help support teachers and educators who are who are working with students and, and helping them um, you know understand what has happened before and again most importantly why that's still relevant and also teaching local history it's very important um, we do get school children um, students from all around the country 
but um, it's not part of the curriculum here. So one of the efforts we're trying to do is to um, make our history relevant. This is a pe vital piece of local history, and we want to encourage teachers and uh, students to be more comfortable with difficult subject matter, mm -hmm. and that um, this is still a very relevant topic even right now. Mm -hmm. And so we would like to establish um, a way for all school kids at some point in their career to make a stop here mm -hmm. and that this is a place of discovery and relevancy that um, we're always going to be touching back looping back to um, 1963 and all the events that happened afterwards all the way up to the moment now yeah I'm pretty surprised to hear that that's not a part of uh, it's uh, this was such education. a traumatic event that's true I mean yeah I can imagine and um, so it just takes time to sure. heal and to um, address it and I think um Dallas struggled with how to present this story um, and also deal with the Sixth Form Museum, that there was a museum that um, focused on this. Sure. So what are the future goals for the museum? Well, we're very cramped for space. And so one of the reasons over the years, um, bit by bit, for instance, we created this reading room in 2010, and this was on the eve of the 50th anniversary planning. So we wanted to showcase that we were a place of research and discovery and so there isn't a book or a film that's made on our subject that doesn't somehow come and tap into our resources mm -hmm. so we want to expand those resources we've got as I mentioned 95,000 artifacts most of which is in storage and we want to rejuvenate and create new exhibitions that um, are more engaging for younger audiences the exhibit on the sixth floor right now is very powerful mm -hmm. Um, but it's a very tight space and people complain that they don't have enough time to navigate through it or they can't finish it on time. And one of our um, goals for many years has been to expand that core story. And the exhibit also was meant for people who had lived through the assassination. So with the, the changing generations, um, the attachment to that story you know, has dissipated and, and people are finding new ways like yourself. So we want to know why you're interested in this subject. Yes. <laughs> I feel like my podcast is basically the whole thing of why I'm interested in how I spoke to you guys. It's just so polarizing. And that's, that's something that we really do want to encourage my audience to come see this in person because truly, 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 whether you know a little bit about the Kennedys, a lot about the Kennedys, whether you know a little bit about American history or a lot about American history, this is such a huge part of our history it truly is I mean you think of you know the top five things probably that could come up to the top of your mind and Kennedy's assassination is one of them in our in our nation's history and so I feel like it's just so important to be educated on those things and you guys really do preserve that piece of history so respectfully and so amazingly that I just want to make sure that my audience comes and visits for sure. But I, my last episode um, that I did last year for the anniversary of the assassination was I called like a couple of close family friends. I called some grandparents and I just said, I just literally blind called them, cold called them and said, what, where were you when you found out about the assassination? And no one skipped a beat. Everyone knew exactly where they were. They all went home from work. It was closed down. It was all these things. So just you guys speaking to me so much about the Parkland doctors, Clint Hill, even just the bystanders in this very small, like you were saying, area, those people being able to bring those artifacts from those days and how profound that piece of the story is to everyone around our, our country is so amazing. So, yeah, I just thought that was so it's interesting. chaos. It was fear. It was not knowing what was going on. And um, Dallas was just completely shaken because it was just one 
um, event after another. I mean, uh, imagine the assassin of the president being killed on live television by Jack Ruby, and that space is still there. So part of our responsibility is to tie some of these um, historic spaces that really um, have still exist through benign neglect. Sure. There wasn't willful destruction, but um, many people come here wanting to understand everything that happened here. Yeah, it's a privilege to work here. It is. It is. Thank you guys so much for speaking with me today. I really, really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, you so, so much, much for being here. It was, an, it was a real treat. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it five stars and write a positive written review. I'm going to link the Sixth Floor Museum's Instagram and website in the description of this episode, so make sure to check those out. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty and that you like my page on Facebook. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.